Well, hey, Merry Christmas. Man, it is so good to be with you here this morning on Christmas morning. If you have your Bibles, it's okay if you don't, but if you got them or if you got a device, uh, you can turn to the book of Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah is between uh, Isaiah and Ezekiel, which may be the least helpful thing I just said or will say all morning. But Jeremiah 23. This is what it says. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. So two verses from Jeremiah, granted, uh, not a typical Christmas day text that we're going through. And I'm gonna explain the context of this in a few minutes, but God's word here declares to us a really important and a really beautiful truth, which is that uh, God is near. God is near to us. We just sang about that in Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We just sang about that in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and yet not I, but Christ in me. We, we sang about God's nearness to us through the sending of his son Jesus. Christmas Day, that's, that's the focal point of the day. It's actually the focal point of all of scripture. If you, if you could just summarize scripture, um, and that's kind of hard to do, but if you could just summarize it, it really is about this concept, which is that God sent Jesus to be near to us and even named him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, having people we love who live far away, it's just hard, right? Technology has helped a little bit with this. We have Zoom, we have Skype, we have FaceTime. Um, they've made those long distance connections a little more personal, a little more face-to-face, but as much as we are thankful to have the ability to do those things, for sure, as much as we love to be able to see people as we talk to them, it still pales in comparison to being in the same place uh, as them, right? I remember uh, after our daughter, Beth, moved to uh, Denver. This was about seven or eight years ago. And she came up with this elaborate surprise to you know, fly in on the, the night before Thanksgiving. And we didn't know. And it was crazy. And it was so good because it was so good to see her face to face. Even though we could see her through a screen, it just wasn't the same thing. And we, we long and we crave for nearness. We crave connection. And that's why holidays like Christmas can be so important for us. Uh, because it's the occasion for us to get close to our family and friends. It's the occasion to draw near to people face to face. And all through scripture, God is assuring his people that he is not a God who is far away. But it's so easy for us to forget that. It was easy for us to forget that this year. It's going to be easy for us to forget that next year. It's easy to forget that God is not far that he is not like the, the ancient Greek gods, right? Who dwelled high in the clouds, who dwelled in the lofty mountains and they remained distant, they remained aloof, they, they remained angry with the people who called upon them. And just the opposite, God wants us to embrace. Listen to this, the absurdity that he is a God that keeps a cool distance or that he is a God who locks himself away in some un reachable black hole in the cosmos. 
Saying God is far, it's, it would be the equivalent of saying that like your mouth is too far from your face, right? I tried to think of the most absurd thing I could come up with or, or that like you wish your fingers were a little closer to your hand, right? It just doesn't make any sense. It's absurd. You can judge me for that illustration tomorrow. Um, but Christmas reminds us that God manifested his clo- he did something even, even more deeply understandable and tangible to us. Even though he was already a God that wasn't far away, he manifested his closeness to us by sending his son to become flesh and to dwell among us. I mean, how amazed are we when we see, uh, like, say, like an animal someplace outside of its natural habitat? I remember um, this earlier this year, uh, our daughter moved to Chicago, so we visited her, and we went to the Chicago Zoo. Uh, it was amazing. And we saw these lions, and we saw their cubs just laying like a foot away from us, right? Um, with this big clear wall separating us, keeping us alive, you know? Because um, they are brutal. They look, even the cubs look brutal. The cubs look up at you, and you're like, you don't like me very much, do you? And it's almost like they look at you and go, we don't. We don't like you at all, you know? But it was amazing to see them up close, right? And to be so thankful that if they got angry, like you wouldn't have to die, you know, because we had that, we had the protection separating us. How much more amazing that God sent Jesus from his heavenly habitat, if I can use that word, I don't know if I can, but I did, um, where he emptied himself, scripture tells us, by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, Philippians tells us. So rather than come to earth to judge us for our sin, our sin is judgment enough. God sent Jesus to pay the debt for our sins. Why? So that we could draw close to God and he could remain with us forever. And then you think about this, a creator who would go to those lengths to restore a relationship with his creation. That just says something profound about the depth of his love for us. I remember when I was learning how to ride my bike back in the day, my dad would run behind me holding the seat as I kind of, you know, wobbled down the street before I could figure out this whole balance thing. It would have been absurd to think that he would have ever let me go until he knew that I had learned how to balance that bike by myself. Now, of course, this illustration breaks down in a great way um, when it comes to the Lord because I'm never capable of balancing life on my own. I can't do it. I don't got it. I need him to never stop upholding me, to never stay close behind me, beside me, in front of me. And that's who God is. He is the God who is at hand. He is the God who is a prayer away, a word away, a plea away. He's the God whose spirit indwells every corner and every square inch of our heart, of our mind, of our soul, of our world. That's the essence of Christmas right there. And sometimes our circumstances, which weigh big in our life, the guilt and shame that we've experienced due to our own sin, due to the ways that people have sinned against us unfairly, it can make us feel like God has let go. He's relinquished us. He's being distant with us. And we know what that feels like. 
We know what it feels like when we suspect that someone is being distant with us. We can sense it. We can feel it. You know, they don't answer our texts as quickly as they did. They don't, they don't return our email. They, they let our calls go to voicemail. They won't look us in the eye when we're talking to them. We can pick up on those cues. And we think, God must treat me like that. God must turn the ringer off on his cell phone. He, he must set up an out-of-office reply in his email. He must travel to a remote corner of the universe for an extended vacation and just be checked out from my life. The beauty of Christmas is that it reminds us, listen to this, that God does not avoid the hard things. And y'all are hard things, right? I'm a, I'm a hard thing, right? I, would, I can see why people would want to avoid me. And some people avoid me. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't avoid us because of what's going on and clouding up and clogging up our lives. He does not avoid the hard things, but he, but he does this. He steps into the darkest and the dreariest situations to rescue and restore. He is not a God far away. And maybe this has felt like a Christmas season of far awayness for you. Maybe you have friends or you have family that are physically close, but you can't shake kind of this, this loneliness, this spirit of, of isolation that kind of hangs kind of like a mist around you. And again, if only this was unusual, but it's, it's not. Sadly, it's not unusual. We, we remember the night before Christ's death, how he pleaded with all of his friends who were in the garden, it's late, and they're just conking out left and right. They're sleepy. And he just said, will you just remain watchful with me? And they just couldn't do it. Sleep wouldn't let them stay with Jesus, right? And it reminds us that sometimes the people who are closest to us feel the farthest from us. How did Jesus respond in this moment? Well, he responded by going back to his father, by the way, who was never far away. And what did God do in that moment? God strengthened him for his time of suffering ahead. God cared about his son even as his son was about to suffer greatly. He didn't cast a blind eye or leave Jesus just to sort it all out. He was there. He ministered to him. Now, this Jeremiah passage, man. What is interesting about this passage in Jeremiah is that it was spoken to a bunch of prophets who were speaking lies to the people. And God declared that he was against these false prophets. Basically, God was saying, are you thinking that I'm not around, that I don't see what's going on, that I'm actually removed from the situation of, of what's happening here? It was absurdity. And by the way, this is great hope for us living in times where at times, it seems like God isn't interested in dealing with our stuff, in dealing with those who spread lies or untruths around us. In reality, like we see in the book of Jeremiah, God sees. God is saying, I, I'm near, and because I'm near, I see. I'm not absent. 
things just don't happen where I just like, like the things that happen to us where we pop up in different scenarios and situations. You go, gosh, I never saw that one coming. That's just not the God that we serve. He sees, he is as close in judgment to those who are unjustly representing him as he is close in friendship toward those who are faithful to him. And again, this reminds us that unlike all those Greek gods or all the gods that we make gods out of, all of those things that we elevate, right? Who come from our vain imaginations. We're reminded that the true and the living God is not oblivious. He will repay evil. He will enact justice. He will bless the righteous. He will uphold the weak and the weary who have trusted in his name. He will never be far from those who move in closer to the place where he already is and will forever be. So, on this Christmas morning, bring him those things. Bring him what you got. What do you got that you can bring to the Lord this morning on Christmas Day? Bring him your unspoken words that you would never say to another person because they're too heavy to utter to another living soul. Bring him the disappointing people in your life. Bring him the discouraging news. Bring him all the mixed up, I don't know what I think about any of this kind of stuff that's swirling around inside of you. Bring him the distance that has been created between you and him. What a day to go back to God, to return to the person who is already there, waiting to receive you in all of your farawayness. My parents used to tell us after we moved out of the house that we never needed to knock when we came home because their house would always be our home. And of course, I still knocked, you know, Um, I mean, how do they know that I'm not some extra courageous burglar, right? That just feels at home walking in the front door. I'm like, I think I'm still going to knock. I get your point is what I said, right? Look what we find as we consider Jesus and the welcome that he extends to all of us. Look what scripture tells us in Matthew 7, 7, when Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. In other words, Jesus is saying, come to me with all your junk. I already know what the junk is. I'm not going to push you away. I'm not going to turn you away. I'm going to receive you. The book of Hebrews says in chapter 4, we don't have a high priest talking about Jesus who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So we have somebody who is with us, near to us, because he was near to the things that we all face. He was near to the losses and the disappointments and the sorrow and the pain and the suffering. And then it goes on to say, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. What kind of invitation do we need 
That's the kind of invitation that we need and that we have. Jesus said in John 14, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and we will make our home with him. I mean, those are just three examples in scripture of the way that God is constantly drawing near. He's constantly pulling in closer. Every time I pull back, it's like he takes another step forward. I mean, talk about not being able to escape your shadow. It's even harder to escape the Lord's presence. So on this Christmas morning, man, I'm so glad to be here with you all too. Thanks so much for coming. We are reminded of the God who came close. And not only that, it's not past tense. He continues to come closer. Will you draw near to him? And all of your doubt You think God doesn't know what to do with your doubt and all of your shame. God knows what to do with your shame and all of your loneliness and all of your neediness and all of your troubled times. Will you draw near to him? He is not a God far away to those who want to be distant from him no more. Will you draw near to the one who sacrificed all to bring you near to him forever. That's what's, that's what's on invitation for us this morning. And, and communion reminds us of what it took for God to get close. I'm gonna to turn to Titus chapter three as we consider about what we're ready to do here, taking communion together. This is what Titus three says. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So as we eat of the bread, drink of the cup, symbolically being reminded that for God to send his son and for his son to shed his blood and for his body to be broken meant that he had to be born. And so there is no communion without Christ's birth. There is no life without Christ's birth. There would be no death if it wasn't for Christ's birth. There would be no resurrection if it wasn't for Christ's birth. There would be no life without Christ's birth, life, and death. So that's what we celebrate this morning as we take communion, as we just rejoice that God in his kindness, God in his nearness, wanted to create a way for you to never be far because of your sin. And so that's what we celebrate. If you are somebody who has not yet done that, If you've not drawn near to Jesus, we want you to draw near to Jesus so bad. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer here that will give you the opportunity. But for now, we would ask that you just sit back because communion really only makes sense for people that have given their life to the Savior of their life. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite the the ushers up as we pray. We have two stations this morning. I would ask that you all make your way up the center aisle 
and then exit uh, on the side aisles there, if you would, just to keep it organized. But I want to pray. I want to give us an opportunity on Christmas Day to come before the Lord um, with all of our stuff and remember that he is not a God who is far away, but he this morning is uniquely drawing near to all of us. So let's, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you are not a God who is far away, but you are close to us and you proved it. You proved that you were close by sending Jesus in the flesh to be born, to live, and to die. Lord, we do not possess the good deeds and the righteousness in and of ourselves to have peace with you. We are sinners. So Christ's birth reminds us that he came for a purpose and that was to live and to die so that we might have life eternal. So that after we pass through this life, we might enjoy life forever the way that you had designed it and planned it. And Lord, even now as we confess our sins, as we receive the forgiveness that we, that we gain because of Christ's death on the cross, Lord, even then we can experience life abundantly, even through the hardships that we face, recognizing and looking forward to the day when we will be face to face with you and there will be no more sin and mourning and weeping. So Lord, we thank you for that coming day and we thank you that we can enjoy that hope today if we only come to you in our neediness. And so Lord, I pray as we drink the cup and eat the bread that you would strengthen us, that you would nourish us, that you would fill us with joy and hope because this is the day the birth of Christ, this is the day that all of that began for us as Christ became obedient to the cross. And Lord, receive us in our weakness and our obedience. Lord, as we say, you are only hope and all we have is you and without you, we can do nothing. So take that heart from us today, strengthen us, Nourish us in your love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.